Welcome to this Tuesday edition of the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm your host, Lori Boyer. We'll bring you feature agricultural news reports along with a check-in of national and regional agricultural news. And I'll start things off with regional agricultural news right after this. Do you know the nutrient use efficiency people? Yes, I'm talking about the folks at Verdesian Life Sciences that deliver crop insights and solutions so California crops grow to their full potential. From micros with a proprietary delivery system to solutions that help improve the uptake and assimilation of applied nutrients. Visit VLSCI.com to learn more about Verdesian solutions or to connect with a local representative right here in California. The net benefits of composting and cover cropping were underscored as part of the recent Healthy Soils Week farm tour as members of the California Department of Food and Agriculture's Office of Environmental Farming and Innovation and CalRecycle visited Spoleta Farm in Galt, California. The farm is a 65-acre property that produces walnuts and grapes. In the long run, composting is good for the soil. There are savings in not needing as much fertilizer. It's good for the plants. It's good for the environment, according to farmer Pete Spoleta. He says that they can can utilize the waste materials and put it back in the soil, and there's nothing wrong with that. Composting and cover cropping are practices encouraged within the Healthy Soils program for several co-benefits, including establishing pollinator habitats, reducing soil compaction, improving water infiltration, and preventing soil erosion and water runoff. Soil erosion and water runoff are especially important for farmers that are next to bodies of water like Spoleta's Farm, located near the Mokalumni River. Established in 2016, the Healthy Soils program stems from a multi-agency collaboration led by CDFA under the Healthy Soils Initiative. The objectives of the HSP are to increase statewide implementation of conservation management practices and improve soil health, increase carbon sequestration, and reduce greenhouse gas emissions. These objectives are achieved by providing financial incentives to California growers and ranchers to implement the practices. Spoleta Farm is a 2020 Healthy Soils Program awardee. The project applies compost and mixes species of cover crops once a year for three years and annual soil samples are taken to evaluate success. These practices are expected to save more than 300 million metric tons of CO2 equivalent every year. The Healthy Soils Program has awarded more than $100 million to more than 1,500 projects. The program is currently working on details for an additional $85 million that was allocated in fiscal year 2022. California Farm Bureau President Jamie Johansson opened the organization's 104th annual meeting in Monterey recently by calling on policymakers to build critical infrastructure to protect water resources and allow America's most important agricultural sector to continue to thrive. He said the management of scarcity is failing, and he said now is a time to re-implement the management of bounty, which made California great. California's nearly 70,000 farms and ranches produce more than 400 commodities as the nation's leading food producer. But a recent University of California Merced study estimates that an additional 750,000 acres of farmland in the state were fallowed due to a third year of drought and cuts in state and federal water deliveries to agriculture. Johansson stressed that such an outcome may have been avoided had California delivered on a $7.1 billion water infrastructure bond approved by state voters in 2014. He said the state has failed to update its water system to meet the needs of California farms and communities 
as well as the challenges of a drier climate. The consequences for agriculture are aggravated, he said, by politics that stem from a mindset of working within the limits of scarcity, of adapting to a changing environment by paring down California's agricultural potential. Instead, Johansson said new water storage and groundwater recharge projects can capture and store water in wet years for dry years and help protect and grow California's food production. Change is inevitable, he said. They understand change in agriculture, but what they struggle with is a state that does not have a plan on how to make those changes based on principles. Johansson says they can continue in agriculture to make a difference, feed the world, and more importantly, prosper communities. The California Farm Bureau works to protect family farms and ranches on behalf of nearly 29,000 members statewide and as part of a nationwide network of 5.3 million Farm Bureau members, according to the organization. Jeff Huckabee, whose 25-year career with Grimway Farms includes building its robust organic program and serving as president of the company, was honored as the 2022 Organic Grower of the Year at the recent Organic Grower Summit in Monterey, California. Huckabee joined Grimway Farms in 1988 and soon was asked to manage the organic division. The learning curve was steep, but through trial and error, he and his team learned how to become organic growers. Building the soil, Huckabee said, unlocked the secret to organic farming. The company now has a rotation plan that looks five years into the future and plots what each of its tens of thousands of acres will be growing. Carrots make the rotation once every three years with one of its other 65 crops filling the other two years. Grimway farms 56,000 acres of carrots and more than 60,000 acres of organic vegetables under its Cal Organic Farms brand each year with that acreage spread over seven states. Organic sales account for 60 percent of the company's total revenue sales. Intelligent Foods, powerhouse food manufacturer of healthy meal and supplement solutions, has announced the acquisition of popular 15-minute meal kit service Gobble for an undisclosed amount. The deal will unite two of the industry-leading premium meal delivery services, Gobble and Sunbasket, under the Intelligent Foods umbrella to diversify the manufacturer's offerings and expand their U.S. market reach to over 40 million households. Gobble's consumers include busy families looking for easy solutions to spend less time cooking and more time connecting over a home-cooked meal, while Sunbasket creates recipes designed for health-conscious consumers seeking nutritious meals that fit their dietary preferences and sustainable lifestyles. The acquisition is an step in Intelligent Foods' business strategy to dominate the D2C food and meal solutions market. Sponsored by the California Walnut Boarding Commission, supporting the industry with on-farm innovation through production research, advocacy for government programs, and driving consumer demand. Doing more together. Soil and Crop Incorporated is your number one resource for sustainable nutrition. Growers are faced with difficult challenges, and Soil and Crop Inc. has the experience, fertilizer, and biological portfolio to dramatically increase yield and performance in your troubled orchards and fields. Contact Soil and Crop Incorporated today for a free consultation on how we can help reverse the challenges you face as a conventional or organic grower so you can increase your bottom line and become a better sustainable farmer. Contact us today at 559-564-1236 or visit our website at www.callnrg.com. Soil and Crop, putting nature to work for you. Preliminary results of an Asian citrus psyllid sampling survey found about 3.5% of the insects caught carried some level of the bacteria responsible for citrus greening, also called Wang Long Bing or HLB. 
But Neil McRoberts, a UC Davis professor of plant pathology leading the project, was quick to point out that they only focused on the bacteria, abbreviated as CLAS. The sampling was conducted in commercial citrus orchards in coastal Southern California, including Ventura, Riverside, San Bernardino, and San Diego counties. He said their goal was to give the citrus industry an idea of risk levels tied to the presence of Asian citrus psyllid. First thing to say is it's important to make sure we get the terminology right because otherwise people can get alarmed. So we're not looking at HLB positivity rates. HLB is the disease in the trees. What we're looking at is the the positivity rate for the pathogen, which we use the acronym CLAS for in the psyllid. So for the last couple of years, we've been doing a research project sponsored by uh, USDA APHIS to look at, in some detail at the levels of CLAS in citrus psyllids sampled from commercial citrus orchards in the coastal area of Southern California. So there's a few sites in Ventura, there's a few sites in the Riverside San Bernardino region, and then there's a few more sites down in the San Diego region. And the field team goes back several times per season to each of those locations. They use um, suction samplers to pull the adult psyllids out of the trees. If they see any nymph stages on flush growth, they clip the flush and collect the nymphs. And all of the psyllid samples are sorted in Riverside. And then they go over to the University of Arizona, Tucson, where Judy Brown's lab is certified to do the the diagnostic analysis to to work out if they've got any CLAS in them. And our kind of first set of results just kind of got aggregated and put together. And around three and a half percent of the samples that we collected had some evidence of CLAS in them across the the region from Ventura down to San Diego. So the the point of the project is to try and give the industry, give the growers an idea of what the actual level of risk is, you know, because there's a lot of psyllids out there, but but not very many of them have actually got the bacterium in them at the moment. And so we're just we the point of the project was to try and kind of nail that down. Like what was the actual level of, of risk that they're they're currently facing. Compared to Florida and Texas, where psyllids and CLAS have been for much longer, the 3.5% positivity rate in coastal California psyllids is much lower. While it is still a cause for concern, McRoberts said the lower level likely does not equate to rapid spread of the disease among orchards. So we've, we've had HLB that we know about in California for just about a decade this year. First tree was found in San Gabriel in 2012. We've had the psyllids for certain in the state um, for maybe three or four years, more than that. So we've had a risk that we know about for, you know, getting on for 15 years at, at this point. If you look at Florida and Texas as the other two main citrus producing states in the country, if you look at where they were kind of 15 years after the first psyllids were found and the first HLB was detected, we're in a much better shape here in California. If you look at the the positivity rate of yeah, psyllids in Florida, for example, it might be, you know, on any given day, it might be something like 60 to 70% of the psyllids would have some detectable level of CLAS in them. And Texas is not too far behind. It's a similar kind of rate of detection. 
for us to be at that sort of three and a half percent level is actually uh it's kind of a mixed message right it's not a clean bill of health completely but it's not the kind of alarming really high levels that we know are associated with like a rapid spread of the disease in in citrus trees the 3.5 percent positivity rate is a bit higher than results from statewide trapping efforts but mcroberts said he isn't surprised the researchers spent more time and took a more focused approach than state trappers as a result they likely collected more psyllids which may have skewed the results slightly the positivity rate that we're seeing in the research project is a little bit higher than the rate that is seen in the you know the statewide very broad scale survey work that goes on um, repeatedly through the year but that's not a surprise either you know because we're looking in a much more focused way and the sampling methods that we're using are much more rigorous they're much more thorough you know our, our field team has a lot more time available to look in detail and t- to collect more psyllids per per location so i'm not I'm not surprised at all, given that we've had, as you said, given that we've had HLB that we know about in the state for you know a decade at this point. It's not a surprise at all that some of the ACP out there have got some sea lass in them as well. McRoberts said he hoped coastal citrus growers viewed the results with a mixture of concern and optimism. A small portion of psyllids are carrying sea lass, which is a concern. But on a more optimistic note, he said the state is nowhere near where Florida was after a similar time period. He encouraged the state's citrus producers to continue to take a hard line against the psyllid to keep positivity rates low. I don't have as much skin in the game, obviously, as an actual citrus grower, so it's, I don't want, maybe I shouldn't speak on their behalf. But since you've asked the question, I, I would encourage them to look on the results as encouragement to continue to do everything that the industry can do to keep the psyllid population low and to be vigilant for any signs of HLB in the actual trees themselves. I think the message is one of sort of concern, but also a measure of optimism. You know, whatever factors are helping, whether it's the climate or the, the fact that California citrus is established from certified material, the efforts by the industry to keep the ACP population low up to this point, you know, we can't untangle it all, but everything seems to be working in a way that is helping us not to end up in the same state that Florida was in at a comparable time after they first detected the problem over there. So a, a mixture of um, concern and optimism, I think, would be an appropriate response. McRoberts said they don't plan to conduct a similar survey in the Central Valley because that region remains under a quarantine with the goal of keeping out the disease. Should a psyllid be found, it triggers treatment protocols. As a result, he said sending technicians out to scout and sample for the pest would be a waste of time and money. The Central Valley is still in eradication mode for the psyllid. And also, psyllids are generally really hard to find there for that reason. Um, you know, there's, there are very effective quarantine procedures to, you know, to, to divide the state into compartments. Um, and so fruit coming into the Central Valley on trucks has to be tarped if it hasn't been through a packing house already. And any psyllids that are picked up 
on traps or by scouting immediately trigger you know um, coordinated responses from the growers to spray um, and suppress the population so it wouldn't actually be a very effective use of money for us to try and do this, this kind of project in an area the scouts would go out repeatedly and basically find nothing there'd be no there'd be no data points for them to, to for us to look at. For those who want to get a glimpse of what may happen should CLAS positivity rates go up, they have only to look to Florida. That state's citrus industries produce slightly less than 45 million boxes of oranges, grapefruits, and specialty citrus in 2021-22, which was the lowest since World War II. At its peak in 2003-2004, Florida produced 290 million, roughly 90-pound boxes of citrus. This is Vicki Boyd reporting for My Ag Life. This segment was sponsored by Polymer Ag, makers of Anti-Stress 550, the climate stress solution. Find out more at polymerag.com. There's giant potential sleeping in your soil. Under drought conditions, it's never been more important to wake it up. Phycoterra, a superior soil microbial food, activates the native microbes responsible for your soil's health and water holding capacity. Adding Phycoterra to your crop increases water retention up to 10% and optimizes crop nutrient availability. Plus, it delivers excellent mixability and application flexibility, making it easy to add to your existing crop input strategy. Visit Phycoterra.com to learn how you can wake up your soil's giant potential with Phycoterra. Climate change as an issue in the next farm bill is already causing temperatures to rise in the nation's capital. Former USDA Deputy Secretary Chuck Connor. I believe that this farm bill that we're debating in 2023 will need to be able to carry a label as the most climate-friendly bill that we have ever passed in the Congress in terms of agriculture. But not the way incoming House Ag Chair Glenn G.T. Thompson sees it. We don't need a climate change title in the Farm Bill. And I'll be honest with you, what we need to do is give credit to American ranchers, farmers, foresters for what they do. You know, for too long, there's been a bullseye right on the back of all these, uh, these families that work so hard to provide us food and fiber. This says climate criminal. But if there's anything farm leaders agree on, it's conservation incentives, not dictates. Former Farm Service Agency Chief Jonathan Copas. Let the innovators compete. Let them go after it and do what they want. It's not one size fits all. It gives them a shot to do it. We're not going to sort of shoehorn a climate change set of policies across the entire space. What we're talking about is really the option at the farm level. And if you want to go chase the climate market, here's a backstop to help you do so. The Inflation Reduction Act has some $16 billion for conservation programs like Equip and CSP, but COPA says it's not free money. This would, would require eliminating some of the spending from the Inflation Reduction Act as an offset because we increase spending somewhere else. But COPA submits the final decision is up to the Congressional Budget Office, while Connor predicts a heavy, heavy lift for the next farm bill, even without climate debate. Labor demands continue to tax the bottom lines of farmers and ranchers with rising wage rates and record usage of the H-2A visa program. The American Farm Bureau Federation says meaningful reforms to the federal government's guest worker program must be a priority for Congress by the end of the year. AFBF and more than 350 other food and farm organizations that are part of the Ag Workforce Coalition sent a letter urging the Senate to pass legislation to address the nation's agricultural workforce challenges this year. The House of Representatives passed a farm labor 
labor reform bill, but the legislation needs improvements, according to the coalition. The letter states the country cannot afford for the Senate to miss this opportunity to provide stability to both farmers and farm workers. Recent analysis from AFBF economists indicate the costs associated with farm labor will add to the ever-expanding list of factors straining the farm economy in 2023. USA Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack recently announced the second round of investments of the Partnerships for Climate Smart Commodities funding. Projects from the second funding pool will emphasize the enrollment of small farming and ranching operations, including underserved producers, as well as measurement, monitoring, reporting, and verification activities developed at minority-serving institutions. The investment in projects nationwide will expand markets for climate smart commodities, leverage the greenhouse gas benefits of climate smart commodity production, and provide direct meaningful benefits to production agriculture, according to USDA. In September, Vilsack announced USDA is investing up to $2.8 billion in 70 selected projects under the first pool of the Partnerships for Climate Smart Commodities funding opportunity. USDA first announced details of the Partnerships for Climate Smart Commodities opportunity in February of 2022. The 70 projects announced in September are from the first funding pool, which included proposals seeking funds ranging from $5 million to $100 million dollars. The prospect of permanent nationwide availability of the E15 ethanol blend moves closer with new House legislation, according to the Renewable Fuels Association. Representatives Angie Craig, a Minnesota Democrat, and Adrian Smith, a Nebraska Republican, have introduced the Consumer and Fuel Retailer Choice Act of 2022. RFA President and CEO Jeff Cooper says the legislation will finally remove a burdensome barrier to the broader development of cleaner, more affordable fuels. Specifically, the legislation would harmonize fuel volatility regulations for ethanol blended fuels across the country, allowing for the year-round sale of E15 in conventional gasoline markets. It would also supersede an effort by Midwest state governors to make regulatory changes that would assure the availability of E15 sales year-round in their states. In November, RFA and the American Petroleum Institute led a broad coalition that called on Congress to quickly adopt legislation to permanently resolve inconsistent fuel volatility regulations. Dairy producers will now have until January 31st to enroll for either dairy margin coverage or supplemental DMC for this coming production year. USA Ag News reporter Rod Bain. Dairy producers will now have more time to consider enrollment in either USDA's dairy margin coverage or supplemental DMC for program year 2023. We're going to extend the deadline for submission of applications for DMC and supplemental DMC to give our producers time to get through year activities and to ensure that they're able to take advantage of this affordable margin coverage that we have to offer. Farm Service Agency Administrator Zach Ducino says the deadline has been extended to January 31st. Last year, nearly 18,000 operations that enrolled in DMC received margin payments for August and September, totaling $76 million. They were able to purchase that coverage for 15 cents per hundredweight on their milk. More information is available at local FSA service centers or online at www.fsa.usda.gov. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C.
With just a few weeks left in a year and the season of celebration in full swing, the National Restaurant Association finds that 77% of consumers will cope with holiday demands by letting restaurants do some of their cooking during the coming weeks. According to a new survey, 57% of consumers plan to go out to eat at a restaurant, while 50% plan to order takeout or delivery for a gathering at home during the holidays. One in four consumers plan to do both. When asked about why they plan to include restaurant meals in their holiday plans, 88% said dining out or ordering a meal from a restaurant is a good way to support businesses in their community through the holidays. 82% said letting restaurants do the cooking is easy and reduces their stress. And 78% said a restaurant gives them an opportunity to socialize with family and or friends and is a better use of their time than cooking and cleaning up. When choosing a restaurant, convenience and loyalty were the top of mind for most consumers. A restaurant close to home was in a top pick for 94% of consumers going out to eat and 91% planning to order out. 81% of diners plan to dine in a restaurant that they've often visited during the holidays. 79% diners said they will order out from one. Inflation is impacting consumer decision-making during the holidays, making them more interested in restaurants where they can find a deal or specials. 89% of consumers who plan to dine in a restaurant and the same number who plan to order out will consider deals or specials to pick at the restaurant. And 60% of customers eating out and 66% of those planning takeout are making their choices based on marketing emails from restaurants. The National Restaurant Association conducted the online survey of 1,002 adults November 18th through the 20th, asking questions about their plans to use restaurants during their holiday season. Bee Hero is the leading almond pollination provider. We deliver measurable and verifiable pollination outcomes for almond growers and turn a previously unquantified fingers crossed gamble into a controllable expenditure. For the first time, Growers can know exactly what they are getting for their money during pollination. Bee Hero accurately evaluates your bee's pollination contribution in real time and gives you unprecedented visibility into the progress of bloom. Don't leave pollination to chance. Be sure. Be precise. Be Hero. Call Charlie Phillips, VP of Sales at 559-467-9699. Be Hero. Superior bees. Superior pollination. JCS Marketing is your number one way to connect with the ag industry. Through print magazines, digital media, podcasts, and live and virtual events, JCS Marketing has the reach to inform, educate, and influence growers in the Western United States. Everywhere you go, you see West Coast Net Magazine on every one of my customers' tables. So that tells you everything. That's, that, it's there, so they're reading it. Our My Ag Life platform includes podcast interviews and digital articles for busy professionals on the go. Our live events, continuing education webinars, and virtual conferences help growers connect with leading researchers and industry leaders. Let JCS Marketing help you connect. That will wrap up today's show. You've been listening to the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm Lori Boyer. From all of us here at the JCS Marketing Team, thank you for listening.